Good morning, Lynn. How are you today? I am back because I'm connected. My internet was out for 17 hours. I thought I'd have to go sit in the car and talk to you. So, hallelujah. We'll talk about the crazy week that happened this week with all the flooding and the muni and Legally Blonde. And then around minute seven, we'll talk In the Heights stages. Around minute 12, Paradise Highway. Around minute 15, Vengeance. Around minute 22, Light and Magic and Comic-Con. Then around minute 30, the Filmmaker Showcase. Around minute 36, we'll kind of discuss everything, everywhere, all at once. And we want to say hi to our guest, who is not here. Hi, Glenn. How are you? (laughs) For the second time in 30 years, my favorite watering hole is underwater. It's National Chicken Wing Day, so I do not get to go to Deer Creek Bar and Grill because in Maplewood, Deer Creek has overflowed and they are going to be out for a while. And I am sorry to hear that. I am too. I, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that this Tuesday didn't have anything, but then yesterday's thunderstorm uh, added flash flooding and I'm sure lightning hit something, which is why... I had radio silence for that long, but I was at the Muni last night and they were, they were concerned last night. They even had to send out an email to say the Muni is happening. Yes. Because yesterday another flash flood. Yes. They had uh, the orchestra pit flooded. So where did they play? Uh, They went to Emerson rehearsal hall and the sound was piped in. Wow. So the show must go on. I know. Mike Isaacson came out and did a, a did a little ex- explanation. The lifts were unusable. They had to restage the show yesterday. Oh, wow. And because- then it started later because of the water on the stage. And I thought that I thought when they removed the trees, none of this was supposed to happen anymore. Well, we had a once in a thousand year storm. So and, and then two days later, it had its little brother. Yes. And then, well, Wednesday, it, it rained one to two inches. So I just feel for people because remember when my car flooded in 2019? Yes. So I I feel for the masses. So, so anyway, so how how they do last night? It was fabulous. It was a miracle that they went on, but they did Muni magic. Did you see it Wednesday night? I I did not get to see it Wednesday night. No. Well, it was very, very charming. Uh, The cast is just bubbly and effervescent, as you expect from Legally Blonde. The dance is incredible. The uh, cast is is really cheerful. But I love this message because it's all about staying true to who you are, finding power worth. Yeah. Girl power, finding self-worth and, uh, you know, discovering what you can do. And she don't don't need no man. Right. And don't take crap from anybody and don't let people define you or put you down. And those are all noble. And they came through and the audience was really into it. I heard Monday night was a very uh, emotional show because a lot of those kids that were in the show are local kids and they had a big fundraiser and Monday night was a big party for all of the local talent that was in the show. 
Oh. Well, neat. I, uh, and you were very high last week on Sweeney Todd. Does this compare? Oh, no. It's two separate shows. Well, no. Yeah. But sweet, <laughs> well, Sweeney Todd. One's about murder and one's about uh, finding yourself. I know. But in terms of Sweeney Sondheim. Todd was a masterpiece. It was one of the best productions ever at the Muni. It was remarkable in emotion, in talent, in the depth of passion and uh, this cast. I, I just can't say enough about. And then how the artistry melded with the technical craftsmanship. Last night was an explosion of pink and fun and girl power and uh, really laughed a lot. I My favorite line is, what, like it's hard <laughs> to get into Harvard. That's always been my favorite line. And then the UPS guy is my favorite. And he was great last night. And Patty Murin, you as a Muni goer, you would remember her. She was Little Mermaid. She ah, was Ariel. Yes. She played Paulette last huh. night. And she had a different spin on Paulette, but just good voice. But the guy that's playing Emmett is Fergie. And I want to get his name right. His last name. He's Hercules Mulligan on Broadway in Hamilton. Wow. And he did a diff he was really good. And um, L was uh, very uh, poised and oh, Fergie Philippe. Okay. Kyla Stone was that infrequent, frequent Muni performer Haley Podshin was Brooke, the exercise queen. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. So let's let's contrast this to next last week. Since Sweeney Todd was such a masterpiece, this was a good follow up to Sweeney Todd. But do you think if they had the technical issues that they had last week, would they have been able to restage Sweeney Todd? I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't think so either. Legally Blonde is adaptable enough that they could make those changes. Sweeney Todd is very set. Right, and this was. Uh, last night, I, it was to me, it was seamless. I couldn't tell what they had to redo. And what a what a cat, what a trooper bunch of people to do that. You know, Mike Isaacson came out and said about how they had Lake Muni and Kofi had called him saying on on uh, Wednesday morning that I don't know if don't we're going to have, gonna a, have a show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't even know if we're going to have a season a season. Well, everything underneath. The, the place where they eat and rehearse beneath the stage is gone currently. Yeah. There's, there's and, nowhere and, for uh, them to be. I posted a lot of pictures on my poplifestl.com website. I posted pictures in one video. I was trying to do more, but I don't have a lot of those capabilities, I suppose. Did you but like they... my joke about Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, though? Yes, I did. My joke, I, did. It would, I should have tweeted this out and it would have probably gone viral but i i threw the joke away in just a text uh the form the place formerly known as riverport is underwater backstreet boys are playing there this weekend if it's all cleaned up but i said you know who's playing there tonight muddy waters <laughs> so i am very proud of that joke but uh, i got a boo from some of our my friends 
Well, I think that was really, really, really fun. Now, the girls, the Greek chorus, they were just delightful last night. Now, I saw Stage's production of In the Heights, and wow. is it well, Okay, let's compare that. Was it as good as Karate Kid? Well, Karate Kid was an event. This is a celebration of culture and community and connection. This is the first time stages has done this. It's not the St. Louis premiere because RS theatrics did it, but this took on such a special, I mean, this is so different because I mean, to me, karate kid, the technical aspects were, were top shelf getting my votes for the theater circle. Many of them, some of the cast was exceptional. The choreography was award-worthy. And I think the book needs a little tweaking. And I think the songs need a little tweaking. Well, that's why they workshopped it here. Right. So we'll see a different production when it gets to Broadway. But In and- the Heights is a is a fully realized musical. But there, that Lin-Manuel has done tweaking with that also. Right. And the thing about that was when it came on Broadway, it was a burst of fresh air. Lin-Manuel Miranda's big, uh, like, attention. Look at me. This is who I am. And it, it allowed him to do Hamilton. Right. And you can hear in some of the songs and the lyrics, you know, little bits and pieces that would become Hamilton. But that style of uh, incorporating rap and incorporating different genres the two females, Nina and Vanessa, in this production are fabulous. And Luis Paulo uh, Garcia, I'm hoping that's the right name. I got to get my program out here. Because I didn't have internet, I am. <laughs> you, you don't have a cheat sheet in front of you. Yeah. Um, okay. So Luis Pablo Garcia, he played Freddie in. Karate Kid, and he was charming, but as Sonny, he's a scene stealer here. He he landed all his humor. He's such personality. This is like a warm embrace, like a big hug, because it's all about the meaning of home and where you're from, and your hopes and your dreams and your traditions. Similar to the hopes and dreams, Karate Kid, but we're talking California kids. You know, fish out of water. This is a whole bar. This is New York of people and what it means to be Latino because it's not just Puerto Rico, it's Dominican Republic. It's, it's a Cuban, it's the whole, it's you know, New York. Just, so yeah, right. New York, Washington Heights. Uh, the um, Vanessa is Amando Robles and Nina is Isabel Leone. Oh my God. Now I thought, uh, Usnavi, Ryan Alvarado, he had to grow on you. And yeah. also the abuelo. Abuela. Abuela, Claudia, she had to grow on me too, but then she just nails her song. So good. But the guy who directed and choreographed the stage's production was the associate choreographer to Andy Blankenbuehler. Oh my. For In the Heights. So he is all about collaboration, respect, and he 
he just was so reverent about this material, but it is just like this brilliant burst. Like, you know, it's all about 4th of July period and the fireworks, but I just can't say enough about this. And the set was designed by the original Broadway scenic designer, Anna. Oh gosh. I had you, so um, you are so excited about this. Every time your hands gesture, you're you pull the microphone away from your face. So that's how animated you are about this production. Oh yeah. Anna Luisos. She did the scenic design and on the stages set, it's breathtaking. Breathtaking. But it just flows. It's just flows and it has so much energy. And the cat the, the crowd was so into it. And just leapt to their feet, just like Sweeney Todd last week. Everybody leapt to their feet. Now, Legally Blonde got a standing O. Oh, yeah. And when Mike Isaacson was actually talking about what the unsung heroes behind the stage had to do to make the Muni ready, huge, huge cheer and ovation for all the workers because they're really the unsung heroes for the Muni thing. But just... The the amount of talent that we have in St. Louis this week is really remarkable. It's, and I recommend it's a, both of them highly. And they're both they are. They're like big group hugs. Hmm. Something we need right now after the town was deluged with water. Right. So uh, I because of my Internet woes and the storm and everything, I am very behind on my movie going. But I did see Vengeance. And I did see Paradise Highway, which has Oscar winners, Juliette Binoche and Morgan Freeman in a tale of human trafficking. And you would think that it would be a total B movie, that it wouldn't be very good. And actually, I really enjoyed it. Which one's this? It's called Paradise Highway. It is out in theaters today, but it's also on digital in demand and I was surprised at how good it was. Sure, the script is a little, you know, it's it's a first time script writer and director, but it's Juliet Binoche is a trucker. What? Think about, think about that. She's got a headband. She's like rough. She's, uh, uh, you know, gun toting, jean wearing, flannel shirt, uh, tough woman. Doing am, the rig. I have not heard about this movie. So they're they're starring in this. Yes, Morgan Freeman plays a uh, FBI consultant. He could okay. do this part in his sleep. But it actually, actually, the little girl who plays the 10, 12-year-old girl that is the trans trafficked port, mm -hmm. she steals the whole movie. She's just really good. Oh, Frank Grillo plays Juliet Binoche's brother who's incarcerated. Frank Grillo's done a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, All breaking right. news today. Will Smith has finally apologized to Chris Rock in person. I think it's in a video. Oh, well, who cares? An emotional video. My behavior was unacceptable, and I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. Oh, so no. So Venge vengeance. vengeance is the big movie of the. Actually, that's not true. We'll talk to our guest about the big movie of the weekend, but the movie for adults this weekend is Vengeance. Yes, it is. B.J. Novak, who mm -hmm. played Ryan on The Office and wrote a couple episodes, and he's been in The Mindy Project, and he's been a supporting player in lots of different movies, including Inglorious Bastards and The Founder. 
Well, yeah, and, he, he was a, he was integral into the American version of the office. And saving private, uh, saving Mr. Mrs. Bank, saving Mrs. Banks, saving Mr. Mr. Banks. Banks, saving Mr. Banks. Yeah. So. We um, now he had, this was a hit at Tribeca and South by Southwest. This is one of those country bumpkins versus city slickers. He uh, BJ Novak plays a coastal elite. He and John Mayer are talking uh, uh, about their conquests with women in a very awful way to start the movie. And he uh, once he hooked up with this girl and her brother from a small town in Texas calls him up because she's he's in her phone. And they think he's her boyfriend and she is found dead in this oil field in this podunk town. So they convince him to come to the funeral, which he does. And he decides that because he has just met Issa Issa Ray is a podcast producer and she's she's really nationally known and she's making a name for herself. And so he thinks a true crime podcast will be just his ticket for fame and fortune. He writes for the New Yorker. And so he comes and uh, ships his coffee pot to West Texas. And he decides he's going to call this podcast dead white girl. Wow. And he's going to investigate this. Now it looks like an opioid overdose, but her brother who is wonderfully played by Boyd Holbrook, who is usually a heavy, Mm -hmm. usually a bad guy. And he is convinced that somebody murdered her. So Ryan starts not Ryan, but his his name is <laughs> Ryan ben. was his name on the office. <laughs> yeah, I know. His name here is Ben Manolowitz. And he starts investigating and he's turning in the recordings to Issa Rae, who who thinks they're great, which I don't get. But so it's these gun toting Whataburger devotees who like going to rodeos and eating fried Twinkies. And so, of course, they're mocking these podcasters. Well, they're mocking crime people. They're mocking everybody in a way. But they're 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 mocking the Texas people. They're mocking New York City people. They're mocking podcasters. They're mocking true crime. But actually, um, Ben starts developing some real affection for these uh, people, especially the girl who died, her name was Abilene Shaw, Abilene's little brother, Mason, who the family inexplicable. Well, they explain it, but it's really rude. Calls him El Stupido. Huh? And uh, her mother is played by Jay Cam- J. Smith Cameron, who is in Succession. OK. Emmy nominated Dove Cameron plays her his uh, her sister, Abilene's sister. Mm-hmm. Jasmine slash Kansas City. And her other sister is played by Isabella M. Amera, who is uh, Paris. Those are their names. Abilene, Paris, and Kansas City. 
and uh, they all want to be famous social media influencers. And so he's living with them. And then Ashton Kutcher plays a music producer and he's very philosophical. And Ben BJ Novak's character is taken aback by this guy. And Ashton Kutcher goes, you were going to come down here and make fun of us, weren't you? You know, and, and all that. So I was fine with this, well, he, the way it develops. Right. <laughs> and then the last 10 minutes become a totally different movie. Okay. And I just don't know about these tones in this, like the mocking the people and then kind of having some second thoughts about preconceived notions. Don't judge a book by its cover. But I just think it's too coastal elite to have any so, so they really are making fun of the Texas people. Yeah. But I, I thought BJ Novak was smarter than that. Yeah. And I guess now see it's I think it's polarizing, like don't look up. For instance, Kent and his wife loved it, and Jim Tudor hated it. Okay. I didn't get to go to the screenings. I got a screening link, and so that's what Kent told me. But I was up with it to a point because at first i thought "Ooh, this is really mean you and know then, and, and, and i thought you mm. softens and... and then yeah and then you know it was like smarmy and he's so condescending but then the way he actually became close to the family and then they had this turn of events maybe the last 20 minutes half hour is just disturbing so I don't know. So he hooks up with her. She dies. And then he hooks up with her sister. It's kind no, of... no. He just likes her sisters as people. Okay. All right. They, they basically take him down mm. and they show him his shortcomings. And so that's good that he gets a little comeuppance. But then I just think the tone in the text is all over the place here. And I, I get what he's saying to a certain extent and then i don't what are you trying to say here i think he maybe was too ambitious okay well sometimes you gotta sing for the moon lynn yeah i know and then it also touches on a lot of our current uh things that are uh in you know trending and and this true crime genre obsession and so it touches on a lot of that. Well, I have been watching something that dropped on Disney Plus this week. It's uh, called Light and Magic. It's the story of industrial light and magic. I was watching the first episode with my daughter who is studying to become a filmmaker. And then it ended and she said, is this a series? Yes, it is a series. Six episodes. The first two are how industrial light and magic became a thing and they deal with just how star Wars was made. And at the end of the second episode, which is where I'm at because she went away to girl scout camp. The, the first two episodes are just about star Wars and how there, the special effects didn't exist and they had to create special effects for star Wars, which is how industrial light and magic began and so star wars are the two first episodes and then we're going to go on to what they did next 
in the next four episodes. And someone to, has who has watched all six of them has said at the end, it's just like, here's what we do now. Here's our resume. <laughs> so, but I can see that because that's what happened. Uh, Industrial Light and Magic is the industry standard for special effects now. I think that would be really cool. It was. I, I enjoyed watching it. I'm looking forward to watching. I mean, I've only watched the first third. I'm happy to watch the next two thirds. It, it's interesting. And, you know, back in 19, mid 1970s, it is very, very amazing what they did with nothing because they said, George wanted to know why we didn't have any, why we didn't have any of these shots. And they said, we had to build everything from scratch. This like now it's a couple clicks before they had to build an entire camera and rigging station just to do a tracking shot. It's really remarkable how state of the art everything is nowadays. And um, I'm just really in awe of um, what they can do. And uh, they are in the news because of the Comic-Con last week or well, Marvel and Disney. Everything. Yeah, well, because yeah, they, not in a good way. Well, what happened? OK, because as you know, it's been quite the week. And so I saw the Wakanda Forever trailer and everybody yep. was going crazy about it. And then now what has happened? Well, uh, there was an interview with anonymous people that work work on Marvel films. And they said that Marvel does not treat them well. And there are so many things that could be done better when they're making these special effects for these movies. And as we have said many times on this podcast and elsewhere, every Marvel movie or series ends with a CGI boss fight. And they're it's, it's kind of cliche now. Yeah, it is. Well, they're a behemoth and uh, they, you know, uh, it's just like they're just such this huge conglomerate now. It has to be done. Yeah. Oh. So I just am really, um, well, you know, I don't, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. Let's put it like that. Well, Max and I were talking this week about everything that happened at Comic-Con and uh, he, he thinks phase four is very disappointing and he doesn't know he doesn't know if whether he's going to trust everything that's coming out of five and six, because that's what they talked about. That's what Marvel talked about five and six. And there is a, a lot of material. <laughs> there are so many things in phases four, five and six. And will people keep up with it or does it matter? Oh, I just, I don't know, but you know what? Um, changing the subject this week is, uh, another animated movie. So July has been like given to the animated movies. Yep. And there'll be another one next week. Well, next week's August though. Well, uh, when uh, hopefully Glenn will arrive, I have a message to him. Okay. And um, the, the, the minions rise of Gru has amassed over $300 million the first weekend. Yeah. It, it, it knows it knows what it needs to be and it is what it is 
and which which is really remarkable and then uh the secret the dc league of super pets started today which they did not screen for us which i found amazing i was very surprised at that because it looks good and i want to see it now glenn mccoy has been involved with illumination movies for uh, since the first minions, since the beginning, no, since the first minions, or since Despicable Me? Oh, Despicable Me. That's right, Despicable Me. That was the their. First, that was their first one. Right, the first, and he he now is a storyboard artist, and he has done some story work. He directed the minion short that was before the Secret Life of Pets, and then he had more to do with the Secret Life of Pets. Now, the. Uh, the rise of Gru, he didn't have uh, as well. He was a storyboard artist, but he that was in the can for a couple years, right? So, but he told me he was very pleased with it, and I didn't know how much he worked on this the uh, DC League of Super Pets, but I would think with the cast returning, Kate McKinnon's there, and it's the superheroes from DC that this would be a really fun movie. Now, the Sony one, The Paws of Fury, hasn't landed very well no. at all. But Super Pets, last night in previews, got 2.2 million. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't think uh, the League of Super Pets, I don't, that's not Illumination, though. Oh, yeah. No. Well, isn't it's, it D's, it's, D's, it's Warner Brothers. Okay, well, we'll have to find out from him i don't know what's going on maybe his internet's up too possibly yeah well but uh i want to know let's let's shift gears a little bit what happened at the filmmaker showcase on <gasps> sunday night oh okay well our big winner was all gone wrong a drug fueled crime drama and uh, the the uh, the ones that go on to the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase, Joey Paleo as a new home. It won Best Documentary, and it is go- advancing to the St. Louis Filmmaker sh- uh, to the St. Louis International Film Festival. Right. This was the Filmmaker Showcase, right? Yes. And then the epic, unresolved. Mm-hmm shot by Bruce Carlton Cunningham Jr. They won Best Ensemble Cast because it's a sprawling two-hour and 47-minute movie. Oh, wow. And it has a lot of local people in it, but it's 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 very good. It's just that I think if he would trim 40 minutes, it would be, it could get a distributor. like. Well, he could, know. and he might. You know, so, so that's going on to the St. Louis... International Film Festival, uh, Donna Weinstein's hilarious comedy where she plays a foul mouth grandma, Ethan and Edna advances to the film film festival, but it did not win best comedy because Bird Bullies, an actor who played three different parts in a two minute movie about bird watchers bullying each other. Okay. It's really funny. Is it a good joke? Yeah. Because two minutes only has enough for one or two good jokes. I know. Uh, It was the hit of the committee. I was voting for Ethan and Edna, and I got outvoted. So it's interesting. But this All Gone Wrong had quite a few people from the theater community here in it. 
Pete Winfrey, Pete, Peter Mayer, uh, Brendan Oaks. And uh, yeah, so it was good. Did you see there was um, the nightlife one? Um, I did not see it. I was not on the and I was not on any committees. Yeah, well, we had a good we had a good committee, but I mean, we, there were five of us in narrative and we really had some good discussions. And so that's what you want. You want good discussions. But Chris Clark and uh, the and and Bree uh, Maniscalco, she was introduced as the executive director. And Chris had a really fun time handing out awards to people at the and, duck room. Yeah. And there was this. Uh, yeah. So it was it was really fun. I'm glad I went to the wrap up and awards party because it hadn't been it hadn't happened since 2019. Uh, Frankie Campoletto's movie uh, Cringe, which I was really big on because I knew the actors and Jason Clifish, who, who wrote the screenplay, they didn't win anything. So I did talk Aww. to I know I know um, I did talk to Frankie. Well, see, we have an award best narrative over 20 minutes and best narrative under 20 minutes. And this was 24 minutes and the the full the features the full length features get all the attention right for the over 20. So he minutes. should have edited that out four minutes. Yeah. They didn't want to touch it because of, uh, they didn't want to touch it because of, um, television, uh, no of, because it was by Jason. It was his last screenplay. Oh, okay. I understand. Yes. So that's the way that's happening. So, uh, I have a blissful weekend where after going, 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 and I'm seeing Taylor's, uh, I'm seeing the Tesseract play tonight. And I have a weekend, a Saturday and Sunday, where I'm just going to catch up and home and watch all these things. I've got the link to Katie Holmes's Alone Together I have the link to the Hallelujah documentary the about Leonard the Cohen. Leonard Cohen song. I started watching it the other day. It's probably very depressing. It is. But also it's illuminating at the same time. But then my uh, my uh, connection kept having trouble. And then, of course, the Internet went out yesterday when I was going to get back to it. So, yeah. So what else is coming this week? We have we have Bullet Train. Bullet Train. We're going to see Bullet Train next week. I will have seen two films. I will have seen Bullet Train and I will have seen Luck, which is going to be an Apple Plus. But I saw it in a theater. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm going to have to see it. And I'm going to try to watch uh, Ron Howard's 13 Lives about the soccer team. Right. I also uh, finally watched everything everywhere all at once. You did. How did you I like did. it? Um, yeah, it was fine. Uh, this weekend, they're having a re-release of it with new scenes. Yes. And more bloopers, which uh, there are very strong parts of that movie. And then uh, it there are very weird parts of that movie. I I did you like it? I forgot. I haven't seen it. Oh, well, maybe you should see this new version. I know since it's I was going to uh, do the on demand pay for it. And then I noticed that it was coming back out in theaters because people told me you have to see it on a big screen. 
I could see that. I we watched it at home and because my daughter wanted to see it and we watched it and I I enjoyed it. I thought I would enjoy it more. It's really it's really clever and Jamie Lee Curtis is really funny in it without there are just some weird things in it and that that's all I'm going to say. This is not a movie for everyone. Um I heard from people that um, some, uh, I mean, a couple of people we know that it was their favorite movie of the year so far. I, I can see, I can see how some people would think that. And I see that was also another thing. I, I was so hyped up and ready for it to be great. And that might've ruined it for me. Cause I had high expectations going in and some of them were met, but not all of them. I get it. I totally get it. And I think maybe it's one of those. Do you think because we say this a lot, you might have to see it again? Like it makes more sense again? Um, I don't know if I would see it again. I mean, if no, I don't think you need to see it again. I think you can understand what's going on because, you know, I can follow a movie. I know I know what's going on in these films. It's just that it, it didn't hit me the way I think I would have seen it if I would have seen it three months ago on a big screen, watching it at home with my family. And I kept wanting to pause it. And I'm like, no, I'm going to, I want to experience it just like if I would be seeing it at a theater. Uh, well, you know, August is coming up. So we're, we are going to have the Toronto international film festival, which is the grand poobah of all film festivals it is uh, they have their lineup complete and Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, which is about his childhood, thinly veiled. I don't even know how thinly it's veiled. <laughs> Not veiled at all. No. Um, and uh, that is coming out. And then Hugh Jackman is supposed to be great in this movie called The Sun. And uh, they're they're trying to jockey now for the Oscar shots, which I find hilarious. In August, it's August, people. We do enough of that in, in December, the fall, and the winter. And you know how long are we going to um, do this all year now? When did Coda come out, Lynn? Coda yeah. came out in the spring. No, well, yeah, <coughs> it did, but we didn't see it till August. Uh, yes. No, I think I saw it in the spring. I saw it early. <laughs> I I was on the Coda train early. OK, well, it premiered at Sundance. And then um, I know I got the Apple uh, press room. Mm -hmm. So but there's there's just so much content right now. It's really hard to keep up. And where yes. is what? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's why an app like Just Watch is perfect. Lynn, where can we find you on the socials? You can find me on all the socials and I have my own website, poplifestl.com. I am on KTRS radio every Thursday after the 10 PM news with Ray Hartman. I am on in Webster Kirkwood times. And uh, that's it for me right now, Carl. I am on the Mark Cox morning show Monday through Friday on 97.1 and I am on second amendment radio and the great outdoors on 97.1 on Saturdays and KMOX on Sundays. So I am on the radio seven days a week. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Carl, the intern. 
I'm sorry our guests could not make it, but it has been a weird week in St. Louis. It has. And uh, I hope everybody stays safe. Oh, I'm on Rotten Tomatoes, too, Carl. Oh, yeah, that, too. So I always uh, figure people know that, but you can find me there. Yeah, I have a whole I have a little thing, Lynn Venhouse, and you can see all my reviews. So um, and be careful. I, have, I know I have yet to post vengeance because the Internet was out. Um, oh, I have to mention real quick. Legally Blonde. Sunday, July 31st. Wear pink. Wear pink. It's pink out. Siteman Cancer Center is going to be there with information and everything. So they want everybody to support breast cancer research. So go. Have so fun. go. And thanks, Carl, for all that you do and uh, all the rain jokes this week. I only had one, but it was a really good one. Well, you continue, <laughs> though, with your playlist. Be safe, everyone. Be safe, everybody. Take care. Enjoy, a, a hopefully, an unflooded weekend. Bye. Bye.